Welcome back, Bearcats, to yet another episode of The Breakdown. I'm your host, Brad Anderson, and I'm joined, as always, with Zena Ahmed. This week, we have a very special guest, Miss Dean Lewis of the Linder College of Business. We talk everything that involves Linder next, our five-year program for the next five years of Linder. We talk about COVID and complications within that, and so much more. It's all happening right here, and it's happening right now on The Breakdown. Hello, Bearcats, and welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. Um, today, me and Zainer are joined by definitely our coolest guest yet, um, <laughs> Dean of Students for the Linder College of Business, Marianne Lewis, is joining us here today. We're going to talk about Linder next, what she's been up to as far as what COVID and everything has involved for her role, and just a bunch of other different great things. If you don't know Dean Lewis at all, she is a huge advocate for students and a great leader within UC as a whole. How are you, Ms. Lewis? I am very well, and it's such a pleasure to be with you and Zeta today. Thank you. We are so happy to have you here. Um, so obviously all the students of Linder know who you are, but we wanted to kick it off by asking um, kind of like what your day in the life looks like so we can get a little sneak peek of what it's like to be in the shoes of our Dean. Oh, thank you. You know, I guess days to sometimes vary. I mean, depending on the meetings, I will say I do live in meetings. Um, in, in a perfect world, my day is a mix of interactions that focus, they always focus on the college. I mean, that's what I'm doing, but a combination of external. I spend increasing amounts of time externally, which means talking to our alumni, our employer partners, our donors. I mean, those people that are supporting everything that we do. And then, so if you think kind of the external side, then there's the really the, the faculty and staff you know, how are we making sure that we're providing the support that you need, that we all need and within the Linder community? And then in my ideal setting, I have some opportunities like right now where I get to meet with students on a daily basis. But if I'm honest, those, those are more rare than they certainly were when I was an associate dean or when I was doing more teaching myself. So I, I treasure the opportunity. Well, that's good to hear. Um, and we also love, yeah, just how much you like to interact with students. Um, but I have a first question for you. And uh, it's an interesting one. It's kind of thought provoking. I want to hear how you'll, you'll take this one. Um, so say I was a wizard and I gave you a magic wand. Um, and regardless of red tape, regardless of anything, you know, Dean Lewis, you are in charge. What would you change or what would you have Linder look like five years down the road? <laughs> There's so, there are a lot of moving parts to that, Brad, right? Yes, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's good. I mean, in many ways, what I would my answer to that, and I, I don't think it's a trick question, is I would I would empower us to do even more of what we do best. And where I, what I think we do best is, I mean, I'm overusing the word, but we empower you as students. And we do that through the classroom, which is where I believe we really build your toolkit. And then it's gotta be about the experience because an experience is whether that's <clears throat> co-op, LPs, internships or study abroad projects. I mean, there's one of the reasons I came back to UC is I really love 
the co-op model because I believe as a researcher myself, it's the theory and the practice together. That's where we go so far because the practice lets you see what tools work for you, right? Where, what are you really good at? How do you build your confidence? You gotta have some failures. And I, that sounds harsh, but you do. And this is the best place to have them, right? So you start to learn, what did I do wrong? Or, or maybe just what could I have done better? And what else do I need? Especially when we're talking to undergraduates and you have you know, future semesters. All right, well, there are lots of options, especially not just in Lindner, but across this campus or with different kinds of experiences. So to me, every time you have that classroom interaction and or external experience interaction, that's a chance to fuel learning. And I would put that on steroids because I think we do it really well. And I think we could absolutely be the best anywhere at it. And I'd like to see us just fuel that pump, so to speak. That's that's awesome for you to hear, or sorry, awesome for us to hear based upon, you know, someone being in that position. I'm curious, like, when you think of that, what are some things that get in the way of, of trying to involve more student um, innovation and trying to get students to, like, like you said, fail more, like it, it, get more experiences. Actually, we, we had an interesting meeting about related to this the other day. And Zaina was in um, my class in the fall. And I thought about this a lot in that class is I think we need more opportunities for constructive and critical feedback. And again, that might sound, I don't mean that in a harsh way, but actually if you're not getting critical feedback, we're not helping you learn from your experiences or in the classroom. And so some of that is, you know, us thinking we're back to the magic wand, right? Be the wizard, mm -hmm. Brad, right? Give me incredible powers. Is how do, how do we enable more hands-on small group projects, opportunities for that sort of interaction directly to faculty uh, from staff, like your career coaches and your advisors, but also to alumni. I mean, our mm -hmm. alumni could be also doing more as coaches, as mentors. They would like to be doing that. What we don't have quite yet is an inf infrastructure that makes that an ongoing systematic process. I mean, that's where I think we're missing a beat. And I believe me, I don't think any school has that, but I think we've got all the elements that if we can connect the dots more powerfully, we can take it to another level. And that's where I get excited. Right, I definitely agree. Um, for a little bit of background, I had Dean Lewis as a professor last um, semester for character-based leadership. Um, but I, we all remember your um, the topic of feedback because me especially, I didn't realize how important that was and what a good way to ask for it was and being able to receive that well and then having a professor and a dean that is pushing for that too. Like I'm not used to having a professor ask us for so much feedback. And so I think that was really cool to see how much you value that and how much you can actually get out of feedback. And then going off like an earlier point as well, co-op, um, when I was in high school, going to a co-op school was never, like I didn't even know that was like a really, like a thing or something that I would value. Like you just go to school, graduate from high school, go to more school and then get a job. But when, when you take a step back and having the co-op experiences that I have now, like I feel like every school should be doing this. Um, how else are you gonna figure out what you wanna do? And like, why, why 
like you're not I don't learn the same things in class that I do in a co-op and so being able to see that and see how valuable that is I'm so glad that Lindner is a co-op school and has been able to provide so many of its students with this opportunity I guess at such a like young age you know, and Zena, I guess I'd build from that too. I mean, this is something I, I remember our classroom discussions and I, I really did take a lot away from those is that it takes practice to get, receive and ask for feedback. It really does. These are difficult conversations. Nobody, nobody likes difficult conversations and it's difficult conversations in which, through which you learn so much. And if we think, you know, of, of your Lindner experience as kind of the learning laboratory, this is where we should be practicing that. Because as difficult as they are, if you know you're, they're always coming from a place of care and support, you're much more likely to reduce the defenses to listen. And then, as you just said, to ask for it. Because when you get into whether it's a co-op or a full-time position, you know you might not always get like, you did great, right? In fact, if somebody only says you did great, you're not really getting feedback, right? <laughs> right I mean, right. it's it's how do you push the envelope to say, and yeah, that thank you. Tell me, tell me more, right? Tell me what mm -hmm. you see is the real untapped potential. What should I be working harder at? You know, if there was one thing that I could either stop doing, start doing or improve doing, what would it be? Um, and I would love to see us utilize our classes more effectively to do just that. And not just the classes. Like I said, career coaches, advisors are great at this too. But I think the more we're all thinking about that, the more we're just going to fuel the learning that's going on in the classroom, in the co-op, study abroad, you name it. And that's right. cool to me. Right, exactly. Me too. Um, going off of like looking ahead and everything on that, if imagine we are just students that have no idea what Linner is or where we're planning to go. Um, we were wondering if you could talk a little bit about Linner Next mm -hmm. um, and just kind of explain that a little bit more for our listeners. Well, let me give a little background about when, when you say Linner Next. So, so probably everybody, at least if they're UC folks, knows Next lives here, right, which is the university's vision, the president, president Pinto's vision for what you see is on a road to becoming. Lynn or next is our language for what is the transformation strategy within the college. And when I came back to Linner, which was a year ago last summer, we really started that process and we started it by looking at the, the why and what's our purpose. And what we came back out of that from, and, and it was incredibly consistent and, and clear, and I'm talking about the faculty, the staff, but also through discussions with our alumni, our employers, um, students, and that is that we empower business problem solvers. That's our why. If we can empower you and the future students to come, as well as our alumni for that matter, to be better problem solvers, you can change the world. I mean, one problem at a time, it changes the way, you know, like, actually, we were, I was talking to like Ruth Seipel, Raquel Crawley and uh, Melissa Newman and Steve Slezak about this, right? Those are three, three of our, our honors directors, our associate dean. And we were talking about, you know, this, the changes we've seen over time. And, and I was at Lindner for a long time before I came back, right? I was gone for four years. But once upon a time, you know, it was, we, we were very clear on what you were doing, right? We could give you the laundry list of the courses you were taking and 
you know, what you were getting out of each of those. And then we moved to pace. Pace was a big step change when we moved to semesters. And pace was about how, how you were gonna build, you were gonna develop those skills. You're gonna learn them by enhancing your professionalism, leveraging your academics, fostering that char the character elements of ethics and inclusion and engagement, really going all in on the experiences, whether in the classroom or beyond, right? That was pace, it was the how. This is Simon Sinek. If you've watched it, read any of Simon Sinek's work, yes. Leonard Next is about how, I mean, about why. The reason we do this is that you will be valuable, impactful leaders and professionals the rest of your lives if you run toward problems, right? You're the people that, whether it's an employer, community service unit, your family, if you're someone who says, all right, let's roll up the sleeves and let's work on this. It, ma it makes a huge difference. This is how we fuel ongoing progress, better, better change and opportunities for you as individuals, for those you care about, for your community, go, go big, right? Go big or go home on this. But I think Empower Business is a really powerful problem-solving toolkit, if you think about it, right? Now it's the point of, all right, so let's do it. Let's think, I mean, that's why we think about constructive criticism. You're gonna need that sort of feedback to figure out, are, are you solving them effectively? What, what might be needed to really make all the pieces work together well? And then we can turn the why even further in, into powerful questions for you as students or prospective students. You know, what kind of problems excite you? What are the kind of problems that you wake up at, in the morning or you think about at night, whatever the case might be and think, man, I wish I could crack that right? Crack that code, whatever that is. And then we get into the, there are lots of different tools. Say you're, you, you like the numbers, you're good at the analytics, say you're good at the creativity, right? Different sides of the brain. Some of us are good at both. I'm, I'm more on the creative innovation side, but all right, well, that's great. Let's build, let's really hone those skills and your confidence so you can go at problems with your strengths. And as you do that, you're gonna have a much better sense of what aren't your strengths. And then that's when you build a team, right? That's when you bring others into the game. So to me, this is a, a real opportunity for Lindner to be clear that the problem solvers that are coming out of Lindner, that are out there as alumni, add great value to the world and we keep fueling that effort. So I think that's, to me, that's what Lindner Next is about. Uh, really fast. I'm going to talk about the golden circle really fast. So <laughs> that was something that I learned from your class. And for any listeners that don't know, um, Simon Sinek pretty much talks about how you sell um, your why and not your what. And actually, like I'd never really um, listened to that TED talk before our class last semester. But when I was talking to a professional in my last co-op, um, he brought that up. And then where I'm co-oping right now, one of their main structure and values that I had to study was all based off of that golden circle. Um, and so I'm really glad that you got to introduce me to that because it's been like recurring in so many ways ever since I learned about it. So just wanted to say that really oh, fast. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it is one of those concepts. I mean, I'm a theorist. I believe there's nothing as powerful as good theory, which might sound crazy sometimes, but I mean, a theory is just a rule of thumb that helps you kind of think about things in, in faster ways and get to why is just about purpose. 
And if we can do anything for students, it's helping you figure out your purpose. And that sounds like a really big, bold, I mean, I'm 50 plus years old and I'm always thinking, I think I know my purpose, but it's always kind of shaping and right, directing. That's, it's a lifelong journey, but I think that's part of the fun. Yeah, I agree. I like, I love everything you say about as far as like learning from your experiences is, is the key position that you want students to, to learn off of. Like I know for myself, like every time that I mess up within our organization or here at AMA and I do something like I note it because I hate it so much. I feel as if people who hate, you know, or sorry, you said, you said people hate tough conversation. I'd say, no, I say people hate starting tough conversations. And then at the end of it, they're very, very glad they did. And I, like, I just love the fact that you also feel passionate about addressing those challenges because that's how Linda is going to move forward. And I think that's how our sort of, I wouldn't say generation, but our sort of you know, number of students within a new sort of era of technology and all these things will be able to innovate in a better way by being more honest with each other, especially with all the things that involve like the internet. Does that make sense in, in any aspect? Like, mm -hmm. I really, really think that, um, you know, us being more honest and us as a college addressing things that we are doing wrong is going to play a huge factor in in the world moving forward i do too but yes uh i have another question for you um this year in particular i i mean as the president of the ama going back to february thinking about what my year was going to be to what it actually turned out to be I can't imagine being in your shoes like I literally couldn't imagine it my stress level went up a thousand folds just going virtually so my question for you is as as in charge of all of these different aspects of lender how have you kept sane over the last 14 months and how you know how have you been able to keep people driven Oh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> no, no, and it, it actually it links back to the other pieces because this is why this is why you need challenges. I mean, the more you have face challenges, the more they don't. I'm not saying they get easy. I'm saying you can stay calmer. So mm. this is a this is a strange. I promise I'll get you your question. But so six months into my first dean's job, which was in London, Brexit happened. So almost the exact same time as the pandemic happened here, Brexit was a very big deal, right? I had students from over 140 countries and suddenly they're sending signals that they're gonna shut down immigration and a host of, I mean, you wanna see panic? There was serious <laughs> panic. And at the same time, you know, you go through enough of these and you realize I'm surrounded by great people, smart people, caring, we're gonna be okay, right? As long as we keep sending that strong signal that we're in this together, we can do this, right? We can do hard things. And th that might sound overly simplistic, but I'm telling you, we just kept talking to faculty and staff, students. And I believe me, I don't think it was perfect by any stretch. I, I constantly felt like we weren't communicating enough to all sorts of different groups, alumni too, right? Employers. Um, and communication is such a critical leadership skill. And I found it really hard, but 
when the pandemic really hit, like think last March, people just rolled up their sleeves and said, we don't have a choice, right? We got to figure this out, right? <laughs> really? So, you don't? I mean, it was amazing. In, in a period of yeah. a week, we translated, what, 550 courses and all of our student services, let alone every other operation in the college to remote. Right. Okay. And, and within about a month, we were like, okay, I think we got this. It's not perfect. And then we had some really good teams that were very purposefully set up, like we called one agile learning to say, what's working? What's not? Where's our challenges? Where's our, right? And just fueled that continuous learning. And I'm telling you, things are not going back to normal. Not like it, like it never happened. Is when, when I say normal, sometimes people think it's gonna be like it always was. Not really, not really. We could look at it from an employer side, a college side. Like we're already hearing students want at least some kind of more options online, more kind of responsive student services online, right? There's a lot of ways to do that. We can do the best of both worlds, right? Coming out of this, there's a lot of learning we can take with us. And, and to me, that was also part of the resilience is it kept saying, let's make this purposeful rather than just being an enormous headache, enormous stress and concern. Let's find silver linings and learn through this because we've been hearing, you know, really for a good decade that education was going to be disrupted by technology, right? So the pandemic disrupted us faster. And now we're all going to be learning through how do we become more digital professionals, right? How do we collaborate, learn, present, lead remotely as well as in person, right? That when we get to the and, right? And in person, I think we're all gonna be better for it. It's gonna have taken some bumps and bruises along the way. I, I feel constantly for the students, especially that are like graduating, but I feel for the high school students. Right. Oh my we gosh, make the sure worst. Can you, I know. So when they get here, like for the incoming freshman next year or for the freshman this year, we put, yeah. we tried so hard to focus on them. Cause can you imagine coming in without the From kind of, gone? Yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Graduation, all of it. And all my heart aches for them. Right? Like coming into the biggest transition ever and you don't even have as much human act interaction like that just must be terrifying how do you adapt i don't know well but you know it's been real I, the pace leaders that support our freshmen have been fantastic they've been really creative i mean we've seen a lot of creativity that sometimes you know that's why they say you know it, what necessity is the mother of invention right is yeah and we've seen a lot you, of you that. yeah you said it perfectly we had a week we had no other option <laughs> okay Right. <laughs> yeah, let's get to work. I, I like that sort of perspective. And, and you being so adaptable, I know this is a really tough question to answer. But I have to ask, what is your sort of what I know you can't predict anything, but do you predict a new normal being better in the fall of 2021? Do you expect classes to be a little bit more inclusive? Are we getting towards that line more and more? Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, really the way we're planning it, you see right now, I mean, we're really planning summer to look a lot like spring because it's too soon. But fall, we're looking at, you know, we're building schedules that look much more like pre-COVID. And, and I'm saying much more because 
in some ways we've, we've seen students say, well, it wouldn't be bad if everyone, you know, one of my classes every semester was a little more flexible, right? Maybe it would give mm -hmm. me different kinds of flexibility or what if I was on co-op and I took a class online, right? Because I know I'm gonna be like just tight, right? When I get to graduation, that's the kind of examples I'm, I'm, I would suggest is, yeah, I, we're building a fall for next year that's gonna, that's basically much more like what it used to be. And because everybody, myself included, has done so much more in their classrooms that is remote. Well, how do we flip classrooms more? I think you're gonna see more of that, right? So that when we have you face-to-face, -face, like really face-to-face -face in a classroom, oh my gosh, let's, be, let's, dis, let's really discuss an issue, right? Let's put a problem on the table and work on it. And, but that means also, and I think students have gotten much better at it, and we're all practicing, that means more work pre-class so that we can use the class time in different ways. Why would I lecture to you in a classroom? Me, Let's talk. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking my own kind of classes that I teach. Right. I, I would do much less of that because I'd much rather have, and I don't know, Zana, I thought we, that was something we even did more of throughout the semester, yeah. right? And we had a good discussion like halfway where we realized, I think there's too much lecture. There doesn't need to be that. You're watching it before class. Let's use the classroom to have a real interaction. Mm -hmm, for sure. It's definitely one of my favorite classes because you also don't get that much of an opportunity to like even hear from your own classmates. And I take a lot of classes with that same group of people. And in any other class that we take, we usually aren't discussing things we're just learning in class so it's really cool to hear what everyone has to say and like really dig deeper on all the topics that you presented to us well but I you know I, I'm thinking back to the wizard piece I mean <laughs> one of the things I really love about UC and I think we need to also put on steroids is the diversity of our student body because especially as we have more opportunities for interaction in class, you will learn as much from each other as you will learn from a faculty member. Because if we can kind of prime the pump and put issues on the table, help build the tools, hearing from each other, right? Well, how am I thinking through that? You start to realize the differences, human differences will always matter when you're in organizations, when you're working on a team or you're thinking about consumers or you're thinking about suppliers, right? You name it. The more we can actually help you learn the intricate differences in human nature and human, human thinking in those interactions, the better. Right, for sure. Um, I'm gonna pivot a little and focus on leadership because obviously you, I've learned so much from you and you're such a great leader. And I got to hear so much about, you know, the experiences last semester that you used to tell us about that kind of have helped shape you as a leader, like especially in London and stuff. Those are some of my favorite stories. Um, but I was just going to ask um, how you've been able to evolve into the type of uh, leader you are and maybe what has has what experiences have you had that have made you this type of leader? Well, I, I mean, I the way I, I think about leadership development, I, I really think that there are a couple of key pieces, right? One is, to me, is having good role models. And I, I think it, it matters enormously to think about whether it's a mentor that's a formal mentor or it's, I mean, I'm sitting in my office, so I wish I could, I, I could flip this around. I'm surrounded by books. <laughs> but one of the ways I find role models is reading, right? Reading, watching podcasts, but 
we also are blessed with, you know, getting the opportunities to meet some really impressive leaders that are alumni or employers. So one is those role models. The other is continuous learning through theory and reading and research. And so I think that's very important. It's always been important for me. Um, and then the third is experience, right? Is, is putting yourself out there because you, if you can connect those three, right? So like, I think, you know, I've, I've told those stories before and we could go into way too many stories, but one of the reasons I went to London because I loved UC, leaving UC was a really hard decision. But one of the reasons I left is I knew I needed to get out of my comfort zone and really push myself. And I actually didn't know how hard I could be pushed. You don't really know, right? Until you're sitting in the storm, right? The perfect storm of all these challenges. But in those challenges as a leader, you tap into all of it. I can tell you, I was reading books. I was like, okay, there's gotta be examples of this. I was talking to people. I was talking to other deans. I was talking to seasoned leaders, business and business school leaders. And I was working through the experience. And I was, every time I was kind of going through a challenge, I would step back and think, okay, that didn't go well, right? Or, or actually that was pretty good. What, what happened there and how do I do that again? Um, but I think that, you know, leadership development starts early and lasts a lifetime. But I think the more purposefully we do it, the better off. And, and just to keep climbing this very steep learning curve in that regard. I have a follow-up question really quickly. What if, do you have any primary examples, maybe from when you were younger or when you were just getting into your sort of leadership roles that you really looked up to? Is there any particular person and or celebrity oh. that might stick out? Okay, on that regard, yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm really blessed. M my father is an academic. So my father led the Harvard MBA program for a long time and then he was a university president. And so I was an academic brat. I mean, I grew up wow. on you know, the campuses of Harvard and Stanford and INSEAD for a little while in, in Paris um, or outside of Paris. and. I mean, I, I watched him, I watched him closely. I was always appreciated him. We're, we're different leaders, my dad and I, um, but that was really helpful because very early in my academic life, you know, we all kind of make, have these key points. I wasn't even tenured yet. And in a faculty world, that's, that means I was a baby, right? <laughs> in a prof professional sense. Um, there was an opportunity to be, to interview for an associate dean role. And I applied and somebody literally brought this up in a podcast that I did last week because they had done some research and talked to somebody who's sitting in that, you know, I came in and there was about 10, 15 very senior faculty sitting there. And their first question to me out of the gate was, why in the world would you be doing this now? You're, you're too, you know, you're basically too young is what they were saying. And I don't, this was not planned, but I, I said to them, and this, I was reminded this last week, Oh, because I'd like to be Dean someday, <laughs> which must have come off as so arrogant, right? <laughs> it really must have. But they, they told me afterwards that I got the job because of that answer. Because it wasn't wow. just that I said, because I want to be Dean. They said, why? Like, why would you, why would you want to be an administrator when it's, it's a great life to, you know, research and teach. And I said, but this is where my dad came in as I said, I, I love teaching and I love my research but I don't think I make a big enough difference. Personally, personally, I felt like I could, it, I started to imagine, but boy, if you were helping develop new programs and you were thinking about students 
at scale, and obviously I love the one-to-one, -one, but you're thinking about the whole college, then you start to see a, a bigger impact. And that started to excite me. And I'm really glad I made that decision early. Awesome, that was a, that was a really neat story. I had no idea. Um, but also it makes a lot of sense knowing you as a professor <laughs> that I just can see you saying that and yeah. I'm gonna be Dean. I know, seriously guys, when, when I was reminding it live, you know, well, it wasn't live, it was on a podcast. All I could think was like, I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is gonna be one of the last things we end on. We have one more fun lightning round after this, but um, I thought it'd be cool to end on for any prospective students that are listening or first years, um, why Lindner? And even I can go first, I can talk yeah. about that. Um, so first co-op, which I touched on earlier, just having that much experience as a young age is something that if you're a high school student and you were like me, you probably didn't value as much at first but it is so important it teaches you so much more about yourself and how to communicate and work with others I think even beyond just what's in your major those like those bigger skills like that and then um, having students and faculty that are so focused on showing you what's special about you so when I came to Lindner um, I don't think I was the most confident I feel like I had a little bit of imposter syndrome I felt like I was not like good enough to be where I was, but everyone around me has helped me see how much I can do and then has given me so many opportunities. I mean, just like this, being able to talk to my Dean and make important connections and relationships and have those people always around me to show me what I'm capable of is more than I could ever ask for. So that's my answer to why Linder. Hmm. I like that. How about you, Brad? You want to go next? Sure, I'd love to. I, I <laughs> well, first of all, let me just say, like, when I first walked on campus and saw the Linder College business, I was blown away because it was just being constructed as I was entering my year. So that was, first of all, the great caveat is that brand new building. Like, uh, if you're a prospective student, go check it out virtually or I don't think you can I guess you can, you can probably go you can come in wear a mask um but yeah I think that's so important um the 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 learning aspect when we were physically in the building like I I loved the roar of Linder like a trans class transition was one of my favorite things and like just even like working at Starbucks and seeing friends and interacting that was my favorite part of Linder and which is why it's so tragic that it's virtual. But again, it, once we get back to that, I think it's gonna be a huge staple. And, and I think it's why the building was built in the way that it was mm -hmm. built, you know, all the open space and all the light. I'd say Linder, the physical building was what brought me there. So that's my answer. Oh, I like that. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you a, a different one because I would completely agree with what both of you said, both of you said. Um, so if you add kind of the experiential learning, right, the co-op, you add the, the building and the physical space, um, I guess the, the last one I would add is, is the people kind of side of it. And what I mean yes. by that, and I don't mean it, maybe that sounds trite, but, you know, I like being at a big school. They're, they're, because a big school means lots of opportunities, right? Think about all the majors and minors and diversity of disciplines and experts you have on that campus. 
but you're not a number. That, that's, that's not what UC sure. is about. That is absolutely not what Lindner is about. We call it the Lindner community because it's about the individuals, right? This learning is personal. Mm -hmm. That's what we want. Exactly. And so you get the you get the benefits of big, which do matter, right? I, there's a different kind of student that goes big or goes small. But if you can go big and be an individual that you know people care about, oh come on, it's it's beautiful, right? That is I so true. One hundred percent. So true. I felt that literally since the moment I got here. It's like UC is huge in the fact that we have so many students, but it's only a two block radius. Like it's only two miles mm -hmm. around the campus. And it, it does have that sort of tight knit community feel within a huge metropolitan. Yeah, I love that. And you're right. Sure. The, the, the city matters too, right? That we're right mm -hmm. in the heart of it. I love, if you think about, I like your point, Brad, about even the building. You think about all the physical stuff. I mean, this campus is very different than when I first got here. But so mm -hmm. you got this beautiful, like you said, it's only a few block radius, right? Surrounded by a bigger city, but even you can go further and there's a football stadium right in the middle of it. Right? In the middle, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's great. But it's our campus. Like when you said, you can you come into the building? You know, you're, you can't get the typical tours, but it's your building, right? Even mm -hmm. if you're a prospective student, right. it's your building, come in, right? Check it out. I think that's one of the beauties. Exactly. I loved that. That was really cool to hear from both of you too. Yeah, um, I but that too. <laughs> as our last little segment, this is something new. So um, really exciting. You're the first person we're testing it out on, but it's a little lightning round. So it's like a five second fire. So in five seconds, whatever answer comes to your head, that's okay. what's what you're going to say. And they're fun questions. Uh, we just have a couple. Um, okay. I think we have five or six questions. So Brad and I will just go back and forth and kind of hit you with them. Um, so our first question is favorite place you've traveled to? Go. Oh gosh, that was a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> um, e uh, Egypt. Wow. I really love Africa. Amazing. Thing, your favorite thing you like to do for fun? <laughs> These are supposed to be easy. I should probably just have um, <laughs> travel, actually. So it's good. I love to travel. I miss it so much right now. I've got the itch. Me too. Me too, for sure. We're a big traveling family. Okay, next one is um, favorite thing about UC. Oh, the people, by far. Love the people. Best place to eat on campus. Oh, on campus? You're around campus. Well, let's do the, let's do the block. Um, I love Let's Ambar. Let's do a mile radius. I love Ambar. The Indian food on uh, Ludlow. Oh, so good. I haven't had it. I'm going to have oh, to I go. I totally recommend it. Okay, I got to okay. rep a deep. I got to rep a deep. <laughs> okay. A deep's the best. Lots of choices. <laughs> yeah, me and my friends love Krishna on, I think, Macmillan or Calhoun. Oh, my whatever. gosh. Okay, I got to try that one. It's so good. We love that Indian one. food's the best. <laughs> it's oh. so good. <laughs> uh, and I, def I definitely miss so when I'm not home because I don't like make it for myself, but my mom makes really good Indian food. So I will have to give both of these a try. But our last one is number one thing on your bucket list. Number one thing on my bucket list. Um, it's probably something travel related. Like right now we're trying to figure out the most wild travel 
experience we can have since we've been cooped up so long. So we've got like a pack of, <laughs> right. of travel magazines that we're literally thumbing through. And so I'm kind of going back and forth between kind of Peru and the Incas to um, different parts of Africa that I haven't been. Like, like I'm, I'm thinking probably South Africa. I've done- Oh, I want to go so bad. Yeah, it's because I've, so I've done- some, Oh, guys, it's so wonderful. It's just an incredible continent, but where to go? Or then I would also say, that this is like, it's a, bad, it's a tricky question for me, right? So I'd go far South America, South Africa, or, or I, there are parts of Asia and that I haven't been that I'd really love to go to. Like I haven't been to Korea or Vietnam. I've been to other parts, but I, there's just so much of the world to see. I'd love to experience mm-hmm. more. Exactly. I've always mm-hmm. wanted to go to Singapore in Asia. Um, and then we got to go to the Maldives um, the summer after my senior year. So I would highly recommend there too. <laughs> Let's get well, our let's get our travel bucket list and then just start. <laughs> right, that's what everyone's got to do. They just got to come up with their top ten places. Well, Marion, thank you so much for for taking uh, a little bit of your time and talking with you know two two mere students. But we really really appreciate um, everything you do for thank you linder for our students and and being a really an inclusive leader i i hope you hear it more than what we've been telling you but the students really really do appreciate someone who is as honest and as forthcoming to get students involved as you are well thank you and i want to i want to return the thanks because i i love what you guys do as student leaders ama is fantastic i just thank everybody all of your members as well it will be really nice to have that buzz back in Lindner and it will be here sooner than we think. And you know what? We will just treasure it more than ever. Yes, we will. I can't. Thank you again. Thanks for inviting me tonight. Thank you. Of course. And thanks to our listeners as well. Hope you made it through the podcast real quickly. A reminder, our next meeting is February 3rd with a date or sorry, time change. Um, We had originally scheduled for 6 PM will be 5 PM. We've been talking about leadership on this podcast, but it will be six traits of inclusive leadership with Nick Castro. So it's going to be an inclusive workshop. Um, He's got a lot of great stuff planned for us. So AMA listeners, hope to see you there next week. And Marianne, thank you so much again. Thank you. Be well. Go Bearcats. Have a great- You too. Go Bearcats. Bearcats.